Space Radio. Roger, restart. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Three, two, one. It's now time for The Space Revolution with Rick Tomlinson. Greetings, spacers, and welcome to The Space Revolution. My name is Rick Tomlinson. You're listening to iRock Space Radio. We're part of the iHeart Radio Network. Tonight, today, wherever you are on this little ball in space, this little blue marble, we have a great guest, and um, you know those of you who know me a little bit through the uh, Earthlight or whatever is you know one of the big things for me is expanding human communities beyond the Earth, and uh, I want to see that starting to happen. Uh, I do believe that as Starship and Rocket Lab and the others begin to build reusable starships or spaceships, excuse me, that the opportunity is going to arise for people or groups of people to come together and basically. And, and, you know, staying away from the, the cultural, historic um, issues, but basically become sort of the new pilgrims, the groups that will grab uh, or come together, excuse me, and uh, grab the opportunity to be able to take ships to new worlds. Therein uh, establish the first, those first human communities. They're going to come in all shapes, sizes, and forms. They're going to have all kinds of reasons for going. Some of them will be going to go create new things. Some will be leaving to escape old things. Some will be a combination of that. Some will go for money. That's the one you hear the most talk about. We'll talk about that in a minute. But some are going to go because they have the passion. They have the spark. They have the fire. They believe it is their destiny, their job, and their duty. And I... I think tonight's guest, uh, or today's guest, uh, basically exemplifies that kind of thinking. So Pablo Mancado is the founder of the group Moon Dao. We're also going to talk about what a Dao is. Uh, because, so we'll have two levels here. We're going to talk about the move into space, but also the concept of a Dao. Um, those of you who are crypto types, you just heard music to your ears, didn't you? Ooh, a Tao, you know, um, but uh, the rest of us were like, what the heck is that? And it's not the religion Taoism, although I'm sure it is in some techno geeky way. So without any further ado, um, I want to win and introduce uh, Pablo. Now, Pablo went to the University of Michigan, picked up a degree in mechanical engineering, business. He worked at Google Waymo the automated car project. He was a part of Google X, working on exoskeletons, um, and then did some work uh, with YouTube in the VR space or the space of VR. And then somewhere along the line, things shifted and he headed in this direction. I'm not going to tell that story because it's his story and he can tell it better. So welcome, Pablo. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's our pleasure, man. So, um, yeah. Man, um, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about what Moon Dao is, in in the broader sense, and then we can break it down if you want, or however you want to approach it to explain what a Dao is versus the group Moon Dao. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll maybe start with like why uh, Moon Dao exists, or or why I think it's it's solving a a, a problem here. So. Uh, I guess like big, big picture, I think mo most of the, the space nerds uh, like myself uh, agree that we should be exploring the cosmos, that this is just something that 
is inherent to our nature as a civilization. We, we want to expand into the unknown, explore the frontier. This is extremely exciting. It's an inherent uh, just attribute of, of being human. And I think that really doesn't need much explanation. But yeah, I think on a deeper level, right now you have a bunch of uh, space companies that are, you know, taking sort of the, 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 the seeds of what was created through government programs and, and privatizing them and, and trying to pick up that torch. And um, right now, a lot of the, those companies are constrained by military ITAR regulations and they, they're, they're solving for a very, very difficult problem, uh, which is, uh, taking a dual use technology that, that has been in the hands of, of, uh, government and then trying to, yeah, make, make use of that and, uh, trying to more or less, they, they're constrained not by necessarily capital, but by collaboration. And by that, I mean, collaboration between different nations. Um, so uh, you have like a, a, a space race right now between China and the United States. And this is extremely contentious on a nation to nation level. And all of the, the private organizations that are using the space technology, they find it extremely difficult to, to collaborate with, say, like not non-US citizens. So for example, uh, SpaceX or Blue Origin, they, they can't hire people outside of the US. So there's this uh, fundamental constraint on this inherent love of exploration that unites people from all over the world that makes it very difficult for, for people to collaborate. And uh, so, yeah, I think that there, there's sort of this problem that Mundo solves where we're giving access to people from all over the world, not just from the United States, but from different countries that might not have a space program to access the space technology and to get a, a seat at the table, basically, in driving this new era of exploration. And, you know, I think people from all over the world are, are incredibly excited about space, uh, but they just don't know where to get started. They don't know how to, like, what problems are the most important ones that need solving. And so, you know, Mundao is trying to, yeah, get people into the conversation from different parts of the world, uh, from different backgrounds. They don't necessarily need to be rocket scientists because space is going to need all kinds of people, not just engineers. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, and it, this isn't like uh, something that I thought I would ever be necessarily involved in. It really happened in, in kind of like a step-by-step process. The idea kind of found, found me in a way. And I'm just trying to articulate it and trying to, you know, see where the journey is taking me, basically. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I'd say that's the reason why we're we are a, a DAO. Some people look at, at DAOs and crypto in sort of this, this strange way. And um, DAOs are incredibly a new technology. And to some extent, it's a very it's a very young technology and it's uh, it's powerful and more powerful than people, I think, give credit to and it can be used in extremely negative ways and in good ways and we're trying to navigate not just yeah the new space technology but also navigate this crypto technology and it's not all good there 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 are issues with it a lot of issues that weren't necessarily apparent uh, when people started getting into DAOs and now 
Mundo is, is kind of at the forefront of some of this DAO revolution. And we're uh, trying to align people of different cultures, different beliefs, and trying to use this tool of alignment through crypto governance to see what what common out like how how we can work together and we've got this beautiful symbol of the moon which is something that anyone from all over the world can can look at and go hey this is inspiring you know any child can look up and go hey this is a uh, this is something that i can get behind so i think that's that's something that we've got going for us for sure yeah. so you slipped into a great Great summary of the kind of the why and bringing inclusion and bringing people together around the world. I'm going to take you back a step for the last few minutes of this first section and have you give us the idiot's tutorial of a DAO in, um, let's say, five minutes or less. I have never heard of a DAO. The last time I heard anything that sounded like DAO was uh, some uh, somebody from the Far East, uh, you know, or, or, you know, Asia or whatever, talking about a religion. You're talking about DAO, D-A-O. What does that mean? What is it? What are the basic principles? Just the DAO part. And then we can come back and talk about moon and human settlement and all of that. So can you give us a quick tutorial? Pretend I am a congressman. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. Um, I think that it's, it's important to start from an information point of view. And talk about how we've we've operated traditionally and what these new tools allow us to do. So, in the traditional sense, when you're talking about a company, you're talking about uh, capital. So, its ability to access financial markets and its ability to yeah use money effectively to further its goals. And so, when we're talking about money. Right now, usually we're talking about uh, fiat currency. Um, and when we're talking about fiat currency, we're talking about nations. So since uh, Bretton Woods, um, money and nations have been kind of combined. And when we talk about money, we talk about national currencies. And so this is a database of everyone's uh, accounts. They're in different banks from all over the world. And they, they give us an idea of uh, like our, our ability to trade with one another. It's a proxy for you know, resources and just being able to move them back and forth. And we have this, uh, this intermediary, a trusted intermediary, that uh, acts as they, they basically secure that, in, that database of money. And they say, you have this much, you have that much. When banks trade, they, they make sure that the amounts are correct, that there isn't fraud. Yeah, so that... That's where we are today. But since 2009, uh, with, with Bitcoin, we have this new form of uh, decentralized ledger, a, an accounting system where consensus is, is not built through a centralized, uh, trusted third party. It's uh, distributed. So everyone has a copy of all of the accounts of how much money people have. And there's a consensus algorithm where and we can we can get into the weeds of, of how it works uh, with Bitcoin. It's proof of work. People use computation to determine that hey, I'm a I'm a real person, and and there's a there's a game that's being played with the first one that can reverse. It's basically a large number division, which is a very difficult problem. The the specific problem that it solves is is called the Byzantine Generals problem, 
this is a, a big problem in, in information science or computer science that, that was solved through through Bitcoin. What this what this means uh, for any any company is that there is now an alternative method of accessing uh, financial markets that doesn't run through a bank or a nation necessarily. It's peer to peer, it's person to person, and um, it is and and it comes with all of the the, the great aspects of that of, of being direct and uncensorable and permissionless, and all of the negative aspects of that too. There, you know, it's not regulated. There, there are scammers, um, and you know that it's a chaotic environment. Oh. <laughs> so are you? So no, I, I. It's interesting when I when I talk to people that are in crypto, they because they they're trying to speak civilian, and then they're getting into it, and then they uh, there's the philosophy behind it, which is a large driver, right? So basically, you're using the you're using this interaction that allows people to engage and basically and Moondow is a company correct it's a not for profit or is it a for profit so so i guess there's there's the there's the tech side which is our our crypto stuff which we use uh, a a multi signature wallet we have a governance token we have all of that and that's how we're governed and operated and owned and then uh, we have the sort of more traditional legal side of things, which uh, we've elected to. There, there are few jurisdictions in the world that have recognized DAOs as being a legal uh, entity and uh, have started to develop frameworks for how to regulate them and give them not just access to capital in sort of the crypto sense, but then also in the traditional banking sense. And one of those jurisdictions is the Marshall Islands, which we've identified as being the, the right place for Moondow to be incorporated. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love for, for crypto to be recognized and, and a DAOs to be recognized in the United States proper. Um, but I do think that there is some advantage to having a, a smaller jurisdiction that can serve as kind of an experimental test bed of how, how to work with these technologies and then uh, larger players like the United States can can use that information uh, from these smaller jurisdictions to make their steps carefully, uh, because you know the U.S. is one of the the deepest financial markets, and a misstep from the United States could be uh, pretty damaging. And they they have a lot to protect. So I think that there is a reason why uh, some of these smaller jurisdictions will play a very important role in, in sort of the maturing of DAO technology. Okay, so. We're going to spend some more time on this. As a congressman, I'm starting to get it. But the reason I chose congressman is because they're like dumber than <laughs> most five years old, five year olds. So we're going to come back after the break. We're going to work a little more on this because I want people to really understand what a DAO mm-hmm. is. They're, uh, they're not listening to the show if they aren't space conversant. Crypto conversant, mm, slightly different. There's some Venn diagram overlap, but probably we need to do a little more explain what this this is mm-hmm. all right folks you are listening folks i called you folks you're spacers oh well you are folks you're both so spacers you are listening to irock space radio my name is rick tumlinson this is the space revolution we're part of iheart radio network uh, we're talking to pablo Moncada, and uh, we are going to be right back all right spacers welcome back 
iRock Space Radio. My name is Rick Tumlitz, and you are listening to the Space Revolution. We are part of iHeartRadio Network. Today, we have Pablo Moncada. Pablo, am I pronouncing that right? Moncada. Uh, Moncada. Yeah. I, Pablo and Moncada, I feel like it's it's just, it rhymes, so it, it happens pretty often, yeah. That's right. I get yeah. everybody's name wrong. I, <laughs> sorry. And, and it's so insulting, and I and I apologize for that. No, no. Moncada. Pablo Moncada. And so you are the founder of Moondow. You're trying to explain to me, the dumber than a five-year-old congressperson, and I'm not. I would never run for Congress or anything like that. I'm just kind of creating a model of somebody who needs things spoken slowly. And anybody, by the way, who has watched congressional hearings lately on the digital economy knows exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to speak slowly so that we can understand sure most of the audience is right up there with you, but um, there are some folks, again, very space conversant, but I really want people to get what a DAO is because I think it's a very exciting concept that you have here. So basically, we have a distributed, was it distributed autonomous organization? Uh, decentralized autonomous, yeah. Right. Decentralized autonomous mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. People are parts of it. You can be a part of it anywhere in the world. You go to, I guess, moondow.org.com? Dot, dot com. Mm-hmm. Dot com, sign up, and now you're part of this organization. And then the rest of it comes in in terms of money or sweat or both. Can you help un- help us understand that? How do you earn your place in the Moon Dow? How do you become a Moon Taoist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, great question. So yeah, I guess we've we've taken it from the the abstract. You know, this is what the blockchain is. This is what a Dao is, and now. Uh, from just a personal perspective, what does it look like to actually participate? So you'd go through our onboarding process and our onboarding process, uh, basically number one identifies you as a, as a real human being, uh, which this is actually a very difficult problem, more difficult than, than you'd expect, especially with an online organization. So you go through our, our verification process and then you, you can either purchase the governance token directly. So we, we operate through a governance token. And this, this is a token that uh, controls our entire treasury. And as a member, you help guard and allocate funds uh, from our treasury into other initiatives. Um, and you have a say in how, how our organization operates and where we put money. Or you could also... Uh, contribute towards one of the various projects that we have ongoing. So the way that we've structured Moondow is in a project format. So uh, Moondow has a bunch of different projects that we're working on. And you can join one of these projects. And for contributing to the project, once the project ends, um, basically members inside of it rate everyone's performance. And then you can be gifted tokens from our organization and these tokens aren't give me a couple of ideas of what the couple of random projects might be totally uh so for example right now uh we've just spun up a lunar communications project so this is a network topology design project so we're analyzing and assessing a bunch of different uh network topologies for uh earth moon communications protocols and uh, that, that's like a, an example of a very technical project. But we also do, recently we did a, a zero gravity project where we 
we purchased, we actually chartered an entire zero gravity plane and then we ran a sweepstakes. We voted on members that, that are participating and they're, and, uh, we're doing this with, with a couple of NASA astronauts. Another project is we're, we're sending, uh, people's DNA to the moon with a company called Lifeship that we partnered with and, and we work very closely with them developing different we're, we're using, we're, we're sending people's uh, genetic code to the moon and uh, images, data from the Moondog community on this, on this uh, moon mission. And then we also work on internal projects. So, for example, we're, we're building out a web app for Moondog to, to just make the friction and understanding of our community, make the onboarding smoother, make uh, creating and joining projects easier, stuff like that. So... We've got a bunch of different projects running, yeah. So again, so basically then, you, you've kind of given three types of projects. One, sweepstakes, fundraising, you know, getting, getting more money in the, into the Moondow organization. And then the other is an um, infrastructure of Moondow itself, how it operates, all of that. And then the one that's the core, I guess the long throw, the big, picture, which is, you know, because obviously, and, and you, you've kind of said it, but the goal is for Moondow to establish human communities on the moon or a community. So the, the long one was the communications, right? So in a sense, what you're saying by what you're saying is that people who have all kinds of different skills can be a part of Moondow because two of those three have almost nothing to do with whether you're an engineer, right? They're just you know, marketing, PR, that kind of thing, fundraising. So it, there are opportunities for a lot of different kind of people to participate in Moondow. Totally. Okay. Yeah, we have we have people from uh, all walks of life, different parts of the world that speak different languages. We we translate back and forth uh, all of our proposals. Yeah, and we we try to. Yeah, uh, you know, the first thing that you do when you join Moondow is you introduce yourself. You say, "Hey." This, you know, I'm, I'm Pablo. This is my background. This is what I like to do. And then, um, you know, we have a, a, a team at Mundo that works on uh, onboarding. And then they, they try to fit you into, you know, what, what you like to do and uh, try to find a, a, a project for you. And if there isn't a project that, that matches what you want to do exactly, you can create your own. Okay. As long as you're, you're with us on the mission and that's to create this uh, settlement on the moon. You know, we, we like it's going to take people from all, all kinds of backgrounds to, to get us there. It's not just rocket scientists. So as you're, um, you're doing these projects, you're moving forward through time, basically your labor, your creativity, there's some sort of point structure, some sort of calculation. And you said at the end of the projects, your teammates vote on your contribution, which is very interesting. The politics must be fun there. Um, and then, um, based on that contribution, you get some credits that go into your Moondow account, right? So mm -hmm. what is that Moondow account for? Does it give you more votes? Does you get like a certain level leading up to the point where you get to go on the first ship or what is that? How does that work? So the way that we reward our, our members is with, with voting power and also with regular, well, it, we use stable coins. And so this is a currency that's on the blockchain that fracks the, in our case, the, the US dollar exactly. 
So you can exchange them for real dollars. Um, and they're, they're, they're backed by real dollars. Uh, we use a currency called DAI, which is created by another DAO called MakerDAO. And, uh, yeah, so you can, you can receive just regular dollars and voting power. And it's, it's a blend of both. And yeah, it's like, it's tricky being a DAO. You mentioned the, the politics of like, how much is each person's contribution worth? And this is something that we've iterated on a bunch because yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky problem. Um, usually in a company you, you show up and then people determine, Hey, uh, you know, your, your labor is usually worth around this much, uh, in other companies, here's your salary. And that's that maybe you get a bonus at the end of the year, but it's, it's, uh, it's a relationship that's, that's mediated from the top down. So you have a, a set of people that, you know, assess you and they go, okay, you're worth about this much. And then um, you, you enter into a, a, into a contract there. But what we're trying to do is to make the value assessment decentralized. So basically every quarter we, we use an OKR system. Each project has their objectives. And then at the end of the quarter, we review all of the projects that, that ended that quarter. Uh, and then the community actually votes on which projects they think had the largest impact towards furthering the mission towards improving the DAO. And then within each of the projects, the members, uh, they, they all rate each other and they go, okay, this person did great. This person, you know, didn't show up as much as, as, uh, as others. So maybe they get a little bit less. But yeah, we've, we've been designing the system and iterating on it over time. Very, very interesting. So it's, I don't want to call it merit-based because that's got a lot of baggage right now. Um, but it, but it is essentially that it, it's, well, it's merit, but it's also labor based. All of this uh, going into distributing these. What do you call the units that people get? That the the token is called Mooney, like money, but Mooney, Mooney, Mooney. Right? Okay, you said <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, Mooney. Okay, yeah. Mooney. So you get some Mooney, Moonies. Okay, you get some Moonies <laughs> in your account, and you're building them up. Now, here's the disclaimer I want to make for everybody, because it's easy to fall into this if you're not a crypto person. This is not speculative crypto. This is not, hey, I'm going to buy some Bitcoin or I'm going to buy some Doge and Musk is going to say something and Doge is going to shoot up and at 3 a.m. in the morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to trade out of it and make a bunch of profit. I know if that sounds very realistic, it's because I probably did that once. But anyway, it's... Not that kind of thing. It's really, you're saying stable coins. Stable coins are meant to be, they're tied to a currency, like a stable currency, like the dollar. They're just exchange units that are basically electronic. They're digital exchange units so that you can keep those credits in your account, your bank account, or whatever you want to call it, your Mooney account. And they're there digitally. They're verified using the blockchain for all of that. And we can, we can go into that, uh, and ledgers and things like that. But these are not speculative. You're not betting on these. It's not like if Moondow gets closer to its goal, these are going to be worth more, correct? They're just straight out. This is your pay. This is what you keep. And there's an equivalence in the amount you have in your account to the weight of your vote. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, the way, well, so there, there's there's a little bit more to it. Help me out. So when when you have the the governance token itself, 
And it's, it's worth noting that these sit in your wallet. So it's not like we, we give you uh, an account with us and then, you know, we can manipulate or, or move it. The, the whole point is that this is your data and no one can modify or, or, or change, you know, how much you have, et cetera. And in fact, we have a, a fixed amount of these governance tokens and we've renounced the contract and you can look on chain to see that we, we can never create more of these tokens. So it's not, uh, we're, we're never like, uh, creating more of these out of thin air. Um, and, uh, in order to vote, you have to commit the tokens for some amount of time and you can't, you can't trade them. So they're, they're locked for, for a fixed amount of time. The longer that you lock them, the more voting power you get. And yeah, so there, there is a bit of a mechanism where if there is more demand for the, for the governance tokens, if more, if more members want to become part of the organization, then there, there is a fixed amount of the tokens. But that, I mean, that isn't like the, the, the use of the tokens is to vote is it's to uh, have a, a participation and a feedback in the, direction and operation of the of the organization so yeah but it, it was a it was an early on decision uh whether or not Mundell would have a fixed amount of the token or whether we would you know have have basically an, an open amount of the supply that we can generate over time and and we elected to go for the, the fixed amount so yeah okay so and forgive me, I'm going to poke around here a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, the So let's say there's a uh, 100 tokens overall, mm -hmm. forever. That's it. You've issued 100 tokens. And I come in, and uh, I'm in the early days of Mundo, right? And I've worked with, and I do enough work to kind of kick things off. And, um, you know, I come up with your, your cool logo or whatever it is, and I do all that stuff. And then, uh, and then I drop out, and I've been paid one Mundo. Mooney, and I've got it in my account. But then I drop out, right? I'm completely, I'm, I'm checked out now. So, and I'm gonna. There's a couple of rapid fire questions here. But so, that, does that mean my Moondow sits there, and it's worth one Moondow, right? It's not. I mean, one Mooney. It's not over time going to become more and more valuable sitting there. Correct. It's just one Mooney within the Moondow structure, whether it's now or ten years from now. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. The scarcity begins to become a, maybe a challenge, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, at some point you're getting down to okay, we've got the last five hundred or the last fifty moondows or the last five moon or moonies left. Um, it, it, it's a very interesting model because you're limited in the number you can issue, mm -hmm. but you have an unknown amount of time and expense between now and when you're ready to deploy that community on the moon. So there's no plasticity there. There's no expanding availability of funds. Can you help me with that? Help me explain or understand. So somebody early on, I got my one moon out. I'm hanging out here. That doesn't help me overall. I can swing back in later. Can I sell it back to you? Can you give me a feel for how that all works long term? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And I mean, in the in the in the very long term, I mean, it's it's hard to really say how the sort of like Mooney economy looks like. 
So uh, the the token does uh, trade on exchanges. So you you could you know sell it to someone else that wants to participate in the future. But yeah, I mean, oh, hang it's, on, it's I'm really worth on that. I just yeah. want to mm-hmm. again. Yeah. So now the, you, you're saying that I can I can trade I can sell my Mooney. Mm-hmm. But okay, so what I'm guessing here is that, and straighten me out again, mm-hmm. within Moondow, it's locked. One Moondow is one Moondow. Mm-hmm. But if I go out onto an exchange and I sell my Moondow, it stays at $1 equivalency or whatever. I mean, can I say, hey, I got this Moondow. You guys are getting close now. Like, we're, you're getting ready to launch, right? Now I've got my Moondow, my Moon, my Moon. Sorry, my Mooney. Mm-hmm. Can I go out on the market and sell it and get a hundred Moonies or uh, you know hundred dollars for it? Or can you help me there? Well, it depends on what. So the, the thing is with these uh, crypto tokens is that um, anyone can set up a, a what's called a liquidity pool where uh, people can exchange the the token for other tokens. You know, and there's just there's a free market there that people you know they can do. Know, what what they like with it but it's it's really important to note so i think that this gets into like a a very like um a, a very tricky piece because there there is uh sort of the uh security side of of crypto so if you if you look at uh what the sec defines as security it, um, they use something called the howey test and one of the prongs of the Howey test is basically um, an, an investment in a in a common enterprise where there's a group of people that that are working uh, towards increasing the value of the thing that you have. And um, so it, it's it's an open debate right now whether or not these DAOs are securities or not. Um, some claim that they are. Uh, if you ask Gary Gensler today, he he might say yes, they are. They meet all four prongs, uh, but then there are, there are other people that say that they don't. Um, so in our case with Moondow, the, the token itself uh, only serves uh, governance. So it's not a distribution of future profits of the organization. It's not, uh, we're, we're, we're not, you know, making any sort of promises that, hey, this this thing is is going to increase in value. Um, the, the, the token itself serves towards governing the, the community. And there, there are strong arguments for, okay, well, there are actually parallels of this in the real world. So for example, the Green Bay Packers, they, they have a system of governance where uh, individual families, they, they have governance shares over the, the team. And it's not considered a security uh, because there's no distribution of profits that, that occurs. And those the, the families they can they can trade governance interests they, they can you know if someone dies it can go to someone else there, there's some rules on on how that works yeah I mean I'm I'm not a lawyer um I'm, I don't know we, we I, I, have, so let me yeah. let me help you there I think so I'm that guy that person and mm-hmm. I've got that one the one mooning I dropped out early it's getting close to launch and perhaps in some other form of crypto or, or, or um, you know, funds or whatever you want to call them. I, I'm be, trying to be careful with my words here, but um, I could go out and start a bidding war for my one Mooney, 
right? Because there are only 100 ever issued, right? And this organization is now going to the moon. People could pay me like, you know, a million dollars for that, that one Mooney, but all they're getting is one vote in Moondown. That's it, right? They come back into Moondown and they're like, hey, man, I paid a million dollars. I got this Mooney. Oh, all I get is the same one vote that the person who earned it originally has, right? So it's governance internal. It's not, mm -hmm. it doesn't increase your ownership. So there, there may be an external exchange because the value of that vote relative to the importance of whatever it is as judged by society in terms of these people are going to the moon and that one vote now tells, you know, may have some weight to it. There's no financial increase of value here, correct? It's just a vote. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's an interesting point is that, you know, as the, as the organization becomes more influential, you know, that, that vote might be uh, more, more important in the future. So there's some, some element of that for sure. But there's but, no financial reward there. It's really just a vote. So that's how, you know, in a way you're kind of staying out of, you know, the things, the parts of the Howie test and all of that, what we were talking about. Um, Cool. Very, very cool. So we're starting to go into the weeds and I, I'm sorry to push you into that, but. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's important stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's really an open question how the, the U.S. government is going to look at this. And, you know, I think, you know, going back to, OK, you're, you're the congressperson, right? Looking at these, these sorts of organizations and trying to figure out, are they legitimate? Does this make sense? What's going on here? You know, I, I think that at the end of the day, it's it's an interesting sort of game that people are playing where uh, they can participate and align on sort of the high level direction of a fund. You know, I, I think that um, this technology is going to evolve and it's going to evolve with or without the U.S. government's influence. And I think that it probably makes more sense for the U.S. government being a, a very legitimate actor to uh, try to figure out how they can navigate and regulate these sorts of things in a way that makes sense and that protects the, the, the everyday person. Um, and uh, I think that there, there are ways to create DAOs that are ex exploit, exploiting people. And then there are ways that uh, do actually uh, empower people. And so I think that uh, the earlier that uh, some, you know, an entity like the United States starts to get into that conversation about DAOs, better off we'll be in the long term. Um, you know, there, there, there are already uh, countries outside of the U.S. That, that are kind of taking the bull by the horns and trying to figure out how to work with these communities and entering into sort of a conversation around how, 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 how this is going to play out in the long term. And I, I hope that uh, countries like the United States can be part of that conversation because, yeah, I mean, I think at Mundo, at least we're like, I've, I'm, I'm trying my hardest um, and, and a lot of the other people inside of the, the community are, are really trying to use these tools for a good purpose and trying to navigate some of the uncertainty around this. And, you know, we're, we're not all knowing, we're not, uh, totally wise. We're human. We're, we're all, we're all sinners too. You know, we, we make mistakes, but at the end of the day, uh, th this is an incredibly powerful technology with 
the capability of really, I think, potentially uh, surpassing the sort of pole position of capital markets um, of any one nation. And so I think it really is important that the that that people get ahead of this in in one way or another and try to understand it and try to enter into conversation with, with some of these DAOs uh, before things get get a little too chaotic, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And because um, it got way carried away, having a good time exploring this and under, uh, and you've done a great job explaining it. I, yeah, this is the good side. This is the light side of things. This is the the positive side. It is clear to me that um, nobody on Moondow is is in there playing some sort of game, trying to you know break it in and run away kind of thing. Um, it is very very much about democratizing space, and that is exactly what we're all about. So, okay, spacers, we're going to be back in. Um, and a couple of minutes here, you are listening to iRock Space Radio. My name is Rocket Rick or Rick Tomlinson. And um, we are part of the iHeart Network, Space Revolution. We'll be right back. All right, spacers, welcome back. If we did not run you off with the depth of that crypto conversation. Anyway, I'm Rick Tomlinson here, Space Revolution, our guest is Pablo from Moondow. And um, all right, Pablo, so we got into the depths of that. That's structural, right? That, that's just structure. Let's talk about why you want to go to the moon, why you want to establish a human community, why this is a, such a powerful motivator for you that you basically left the obviously high-speed autonomous vehicle you were on in in the tech world and decided to um to take this on so why the moon and what is it you want to do there with moondow what does moondow say it's going to do on the moon yeah i think well there there's right now at the at the very highest levels of sort of our society there's a conversation really about these sort of limits on on growth of where where we're going and you know, given the resources available, uh, what is what is going to happen to the the future of humans? And th- this is these are very grandiose sort of things. And hey, I'm I'm just a regular person. I I can't really tell you one way or another how that is going to play out. But I do think that when we start looking at the pie as sort of this fixed thing of, okay, this is the earth, this is how much there is, um, then we start to get into conflict with one another. And we start to think of things in terms of if they have something, then that's something that I don't have. And that, you know, this leads to just, I think, a race to the bottom. So we we need to look at how do we actually increase the sort of abundance and access to resources. Um, I think that the best place to look for that is in space. And, um, you know, today, right, it's, it's, it's extremely expensive to get into space. It, it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to achieve, uh, but the cost of space is going down dramatically. So uh, not just because the cost of getting a kilo up into space is, is going down with the you know, Starship era of these like super large launch vehicles, but also because of the 
the the miniaturization of payloads and the the capability of these very tiny payloads uh, to to do some very very big things. Um, so satellites are are getting much smaller. You're, you're able able to do uh, more with less. So this sort of massive uh, cost reduction, I think, is going to be the basis of a very large economy. Uh, but we need to there there needs to be some amount of of push or 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 I guess well there's already a natural pull. People all over the world they 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 see they're, they're inspired by space. But right now, there, there's a difficulty in terms of alignment, of, uh, of getting players from all over the world to share space technology and to start entering into the conversation and to start. I, I think that in general, we're looking at maybe a parallel would be sort of the computing revolution, where we started with very large mainframes that uh, over time, it, the, the cost of computing became cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. You have Moore's Law driving that, and then you have the the PC revolution. I think we're going to see a similar revolution when it comes to space, where you know it started out as being this extremely expensive thing that was just the domain of nations, and then over time it's going to move into a more personal relationship that you have with with access to space. And um, yeah, I, I think that uh, we're on the cusp of this, and something like a DAO solves for a a very deep problem here, which is how do you get this sort of dual use technology, this, this siloed military technology and open it into the public conversation and public consciousness and get people from all, all corners of the world to uh, start collaborating and um, building towards this, this future settlement. So, and I think it's worth also noting why the moon in particular. So you have uh, organizations that are looking at Mars. And I think that, you know, Mars, that is definitely a, a long-term amazing goal. Um, but even the, the, the people that want to go to Mars, the, the moon serves as a testing bed for a lot of these ideas. You can start looking at, you know, in situ resource utilization. Uh, you can start to look at, like, what, what, what does... What, what are the impacts of living in space long term on the human body? You know, the, these life support systems, what, what does that really look like? The moon is just, you know, a few days away versus Mars being months away. And so I think it's, it's, it's going to be this testing bed for this first leap into, into space. And, um, and from there, once you get outside of Earth's gravity well, it's a lot cheaper to go to any other place in the solar system. Um, it's just a function of, of propellant and time. And you can actually generate some propellant there through the resources that are on the moon from what we already know. And um, so I think it's going to be this launch point for civilization to venture into the unknown. So a lot of ideas there, but uh, yeah. Well, no, I'll, you know, all of them near and dear to my heart, as you know. Um, in your own personal vision of this, though, um, going out there, um, in your vision of it, where, where do you see Moondow, let's say Starship happens, let's say um, Rocket Lab's vehicle, I'm blanking on the name, happens, both big reusable vehicles, um, and the rest of them start to happen, and you have the access to go. So at that point, hopefully Moondow will have built a financial war chest through whatever means it is you're doing, right? 
um, which is not the Moonies themselves, but things you will be doing. And you go in and, and you're funding this thing. What is your first human? The robotic stuff is cool. Love it. You know, kind of easy to understand robots prospecting this and that and the other. But the first human stuff. What, what do you see as your first human activities on the moon for Moondow? Mm, yeah, well, I think that the the first people that go are really going to be laying a foundation for the rest of the people mm-hmm. to go. So you can look at, you know, the the pilgrims and what were some of the first activities that they were doing? Well, they're they're trying to find some sort of commercialization, some sort of financial means that they can justify those early settlements and then at the same time uh, building a, a community um, having children you know I, I think that eventually we'll, we'll see the first child born on the moon and that's going to be I think uh, extremely interesting um, mm-hmm. but um, yeah I think laying the foundation is, is going to be uh, there, there's going to be two things there's going to be the the side of sort of the the financial relationship between the earth and the moon and some of those early use cases, it's hard for me to to say exactly what those might be. Some people have ideas around, you know, using the moon as a refueling base where, you know, some of these other missions that are going further out, maybe they, they go to the moon and, and they pay for fuel that that's generated there on the moon. And there's just a base for, for other, other vehicles Maybe that's what it's going to be. I I, I can't really say. Um, I think that there's mm-hmm. going to be tons of experiments in sort of figuring out what is the business model for those early settlements. Um, but then alongside that is going to be the the settlers, the, the people that want to really live on the moon long term. And it's going to be an extremely harsh environment. Um, but I think they're going to... Uh, set a foundation for living on Mars and living on some of these other planets, which, and the people doing it, I think are going to be uh, people that are making it their life's mission to move the human race forward and to have life become multiplanetary. So there, there's probably going to be some element of this where uh, it's going to be deeply spiritual. Like these people are are going with the possibility of death, of not really knowing if if this is re- is this going to pay off. You know, is their sacrifice going to be worth it necessarily? So I think that there's like the the psychology of those early settlers is is going to be very interesting, and I think that you know we will owe them a debt of gratitude as as we figure out how to live in space and then eventually we i think we will have these settlements on mars and other planets and we'll start you know exploring europa and you know the 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 moons of jupiter saturn you know and uh this is extremely exciting um but uh someone's gonna have to figure out how to live on the moon and so so they'll be there because they want to be Mm-hmm. And now you and I are looking at each other in video and, and it is purely accident that I wore my deep space industries, asteroid mining t-shirt. Um, but it is important to know that free space is included with, uh, planetary services. 
in history, we've had, if you look at this new world that you and I are on, North America, South America, there were basically three models. And I'm way oversimplifying for why we came. One was to make money. That would be, let's say, the Virginia colonies. They were in there trying to figure out how to make some money. And then they landed on tobacco. Boom, they got a profit going. Then there was to take money, <laughs> which is some of the, the Spanish experiment, Portuguese experiment uh, to some degree, which is you know, by accident, I guess, they, they came across all this gold and stuff and they, they were taking it. There was an underlying religious conversion thing that was going on. The, the two of them played off of each other. Then there were the pilgrims um, and they were coming over basically to be free to do what they want to do, you know. And um, by the way, none of these people were what I would call cuddly. Uh, <laughs> none of these people in, in our modern world, we would look at and say, oh, they were completely benevolent. And, oh, they were just so, so spiritual. And, you know, everybody paused at three o'clock for hugging yoga or something. You know, you know <laughs> it's not like that. But those, those are the three models we have going on. And I kind of put Moondow in, 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 in more of the, the pilgrim aspect in, in, the, in the sense of um, that, the people I think that are going into Moondow are not a part of it because they believe they're going to become billionaires. They're going because they believe, full stop, right? And then how do you pay for it comes later. One of our challenges and kind of the, the journey I've been through, and yes, I've done the venture capital thing and I've done startups and I've you know tried to answer the uh, left brain spreadsheet Excel type answers of how to close the business plan, et cetera. And the journey I've come through is to realize that going to just go is perfect. That's fine. Going because you believe in life and the expansion of life, et cetera. So that's one of the things that excites me about Moondow is you guys, um, yeah, you want to make, people may want to make a profit, but the profit, the legacy that you are leaving behind is that you have done it that you have pioneered this place and that your future generations, be they back on the earth where the pressure has been taken off because you're doing things in space that you might've done on earth or harvesting resources or increasing wealth or opportunity is occurring. But at the same time, you're creating a new pathway for future generations of your offspring. So there are going to be children at some point in the future who are going to identify as we are the offspring. We are the, um, you know, we are the descendants of the Moondow. And, and they're going to be looking outward and going out and doing their next thing. So it's, it's fantastic. So we're going to be back in a couple of minutes. Um, you are listening to IROC Space Radio. My name is Rick Tumwitz. You can follow me on Twitter at Rocket Rick, at Rocket Rick. I'm sorry, X, whatever. <laughs> follow me there. Twitter X, X Twitter, Twitter, whatever the heck it's going to be called tomorrow. It may change depending on how Elon wakes up, you know, uh, but um, follow me there. And we are part of iHeartRadio Network and we are iRock Space Radio. We'll be right back with Pablo for the last segment. All right, Spacers, last section, last segment. We are uh, talking to Pablo from Moondow and... Um, it's been fascinating, an amazing organization that has come together that is working 
to establish the first human community on Luna, on the moon. And we've been talking about the Tao aspects and, and really getting into deep stuff there. But now, uh, Pablo, I want to toss one at you. Why? Why are you doing this, man? Why? You were, you were making money at Google. You were doing YouTube. You could be sitting on it, man. You could be like hanging out in Silicon Valley, looking bad, you know, and all that. But you're doing this now. Why? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've tried to introspect on sort of uh, why, why I'm, I'm trying to take this role on. And, you know, uh, it's not like I, I woke up one day and was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to uh, settle the moon. And uh, the, the idea really kind of found, found me over time. And yeah, it's not, uh, it's, I'm kind of just along for, for the ride to some extent, uh, with, with, with Moondow, but uh, like, I guess maybe to introspect a little bit on, on my psychology, I think, um, you know, like, like every individual, uh, you you go through these sort of existential crises to some degree about Mm -hmm. why, why am I here? Why, why do I exist? Why, why am I, why am I inside of a primate <laughs> that I control with my thoughts? And I think, you know, you, you look at sort of the, the scale of civilization and sort of the history of it. And, um, you, you start to think in terms of, okay, what, what is my purpose in terms of, like, what, what do I want to create? What do I want to leave behind? And, um, these are just in- incredibly big, questions that I don't think anyone has the, the answers to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that to, to some degree, I, I was heavily inspired by, by Elon. And, and I think that um, I really like the way that he, he talks about, you know, that um, you, you really want something that gets you out of bed in the morning, that, that excites you, that it's something to look forward to. And I think that there's no mission that is more exciting than becoming multi-planetary. And I think that it's, it's just one of those things that like we are so blessed to live in this period in human history where we're just about to take this big first step. And, um, it is like, I, I, I think that we're, yeah, we're, we're on the cusp of something so exhilarating, so exciting. I think we're living through not, not the Renaissance. I think we're living through something even more impactful, even bigger. And I, I'm just, I'm happy. I'm ge- genuinely happy to be alive in this moment in time, not just with space, but also the internet, you know, and the way that the internet has changed us and changed our ability to communicate with one another. And uh, I, I think that we're just on the cusp of multiple revolutions that are, are incredibly exciting. And you, I mean, you, you mentioned Google, and how I, I was in these sort of in the sort of big tech world, and you know, I think that the people working at, at Google are incredible individuals. I worked with some of the smartest people that I've ever I've ever worked with at, at those sort of companies. But I do think, to some degree, we've sort of seen the power of those organizations, and especially when you start to see the, the, the ring of power and how it has a mind of its own and it's sort of this corrupting force. And I'm not trying to say that Google or any of these other companies are, 
are corrupt. You know, I'm not trying to just put this like blanket thing on it, but I think that, you know, we've seen, especially recently through things like the uh, Twitter files and other, I mean, through, through our, our kind of lived experience that there, there is sort of this influence where when there is a large note of power that uh, it attracts all kind of the, it's all, all, all kinds of people that want to use that power for, for uh, their own purposes. And I do see DAOs as being a potential piece of the puzzle in sort of alleviating some of, some of those uh, issues. So I do think that the organizations that create a, an economic connection with other worlds they're going to be the Dutch East Indies on steroids, you know, and incredibly powerful organizations, incredibly, incredibly big attractors of power. And when we start thinking on those terms, these sort of like global terms, I think it, it starts to scare people a little bit. And we go, okay, if we extrapolate out from what we've seen in these kind of local nodes of power, what does this look look like on a, on a global scale? And so, yeah, I I think that for those that see those kind of narratives playing out, you, you want to try to see what are the potential solutions to that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that I've got, the solution um, but i think that there is something there in terms of how a dao will play a role in giving access to this power to as many people as possible so that things can find a balance and feedback with the everyday person you know just like we in, in the United States, we're running this incredible experiment in self-government and crowdsourcing of intelligence and governance. And this was a big leap away from the sort of monarchy, you know, dynasties of, of individuals towards something that has this closer feedback of a you know republic. Now we're starting to see the inklings of what this looks like through the digital transformation of the internet. Mm. And so, I mean, these are really big ideas and I am kind of at a loss of, of trying to articulate and reason through all of these, but I'm trying my best and it's, it's the most fun and exciting and exhilarating thing that, that I've, I've done in my life. Um, having to, you know, play with these ideas like mm-hmm. and the consequences of them and you know you you know I, I started out as a very uh innocent individual in this space going like wow hey wouldn't it be great if we just let everyday people have a, a direct say in sort of these organizations and then you start to see the reasons why some of these institutions are gatekept and because the problems are so difficult. Security is such a difficult thing. There are a lot of bad actors. There are people that are trying to manipulate and coerce and deceive and destroy things. And, and so, you know, I've, I've evolved as an individual, I think, 
through this process of playing with these ideas at a, a rate that I, I couldn't have imagined. And so I think that that is probably the reason why I'm still here is because I'm, I'm still evolving as a person and learning and growing a lot. And all of the individuals that, that have been on this journey through Moondao with, with me, we've, we're evolving as a group collectively. And that is also one of the most satisfying and, and interesting pieces of this is that we're, we're starting to learn how to use these tools in the right way. And we're finding the right people and we're finding all of the, the people that really truly want to make this happen. And I think that we're just collecting all of the, the most beautiful stones of knowledge and, and just of learnings and, and, and just the most interesting people, you know, we find, misfits that and get and give them a home you know and, and i think that we're starting to to really cultivate something special and, and so i think that's that's why i'm still here <laughs> i think it's look I, yeah. I think it's a beautiful vision and I, I think what you're trying to do is fantastic look i mean other you know i do not want to live into a future where elon musk has the uh universe and the Facebook guys got the multiverse and then they challenge each other to cage matches, you know, projected into our brains to decide who's the coolest for some stupid whatever reason. Um, I think that what you're looking at is a democratization and inclusion approach. People can get involved. A kid sitting in front of a, a computer in Bangladesh or, or um, you know, anywhere else on the planet can be a part of Moondow, correct? Right. And, and so that's exciting. That's really, really exciting. Um, speaking of exciting, I have to ask you a couple of our questions. We burned out so much time here. We're way over, but um, I do want to hear, cause I, I am curious about your taste in music. Um, the idea I talked to you about before of uh, flying over the moon, mm -hmm. you're going several thousand clicks an hour. You, you get that sense of motion. You're going over it, you know, coming over the poles, south or north. I don't care which one. And um, what would you be jamming to? What would you be listening to? Well, my my favorite artist um, of all time is this uh, group out of um, Australia called the Avalanches. And um, mm. they they have a, a really interesting method of creating their songs where they just grab bits and pieces, little samples from thousands of other songs. Their, their original album, Since I Left You, is just a patchwork of all of these different um, sounds from different parts of, of, of the world, um, different eras of music that all kind of generate this, this new sound. And um, I really, I mean, I... I love the what what they what they how they've been able to just take all these different voices and meld them into this this new thing, and um, yeah, I think I think that their their music is beautiful. Uh, their original album "Since I Left You" is great. I I recommend people give it a listen. The song itself, the 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 album is 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 named after "Since I Left You." The song I think would be what I'd be listening to. I'd also recommend their their most recent album, which is kind of it's space themed, and they, they they have samples from the original Voyager records and oh very cool, um, and they talk about sort of like the the life beyond and sort of, yeah, it's, it's just they they have they've got something going on there. Um, Great, so the, rapid fire yeah. now because mm -hmm. we're gonna yeah. we're gonna zoom in here. 
favorite science fiction book? Mm, I'm reading. I'm reading Dune right now. I I, I hate to admit that I, I've never read it, but I'm I'm reading it right now, and it's it's hard to say that hey, this is my favorite as I'm reading it. But as I'm reading it, I'm just like, I, yeah. I it's it's something really special. Um, Not a great world creation going on there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Favorite nonfiction book, space or not? Um, don't care. Plato's Republic, um, which is uh-huh. maybe a boring one to some people, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I read it for the first time in college in a philosophy class. And then I've, I've gone back to it. Um, Perfect. Every, I love it. Every two um, years or so. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. um, favorite movie. It's, this is my dad's favorite movie and it became mine too. It's the, the graduate, the old movie. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel did the soundtrack. Love the movie. Only problem I have with it is that the guy tells the young guy to get into plastics. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Plastic was a new thing back then. Um, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Favorite science fiction movie or TV? Either way. Um, I mean, maybe a boring answer, but Star Wars, I think, just has something oh, yeah, really deep. Yep. In the psychology, you know, it feels we like get both Star Wars and Star Trek. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. And then lastly, just in a short way of saying it, what do you tell a, a young person, a person of any age um, that's sitting out there right now listening, who wants to get involved in opening the frontier? What, what would you suggest they do right now? Um, learn math, physics, <laughs> engineering, <laughs> And engage the culture a bit, you know, really start getting into the conversation and reaching out. Mm -hmm. Great. I'm going to help you out to join Moondow. (laughs) Go join Moondow right now. Become (laughs) a Taoist. Look, uh, Pablo, ran you through it on the the crypto stuff. You handled it well. Um, Totally appreciate it. My inner congressperson feels much more enlightened now and um again i'm a huge fan i I want to see like i said you know mayflowers to moonflowers you know and um i want to see that happening congratulations on on pulling this thing together people can't see it but i have my the thing you gave me (laughs) the very first time i met which is this beautiful metal ticket to space 9,060 units, Moondow NFTs. I'm a happy camper right there. Hope to see you again soon, my brother. And we are going to go for it. Spacers, thank you for listening. Hope you learned something. My name is Rick Tomlinson, at Rocket Rick on Twitter. You are listening to iHeartRadio Network. iRock Space Radio is where you're hearing it. And we are out of the airlock. You've been listening to the Space Revolution Podcast with Rick Tumlinson, a production of iRock Space Radio. Go to iRockSpaceRadio.com for more.